Today on Drawing Near, we witness the final revelation of the New Jerusalem. John shares wonderful details of life and healing. The New Jerusalem is spectacular in every detail, and that includes its spiritual effect on its citizens. So I encourage you to take your Bible and turn to the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 21, and join me for The Water and Tree of Life. As we get ready for our study today, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And Father, we thank you for the glimpses that you have given us of heaven and the new Jerusalem. We thank you that you will make all things new. You will make us new. You have already made us new in the fact that we are new creations, new beings in Jesus Christ by faith. But one day, our resurrected bodies will be transformed and will be new as well. There will be a time when this body will no longer cry or die, will no longer suffer pain or loss. Father, we look forward to that day. And again, as we prepare for that day, we ask that you give us the strength to endure in this old body. Guide us in our study today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we begin our study today, it's significant to note that we enter the last chapter of the book of Revelation. This has been an amazing journey for me, and I hope that God has blessed your heart and life with these truths as well. Before we look at verse 1, it's important to note that much of what we know about eternity or what we say will happen in heaven actually takes place in the New Jerusalem. All of these descriptions over the last couple of studies have been descriptions of the location, of the size, of the life in the New Jerusalem. So much of the time, we talk about this happening in heaven or that happening in heaven, or when I die, I'm going to go to heaven, and we will go to heaven. We will have a presence there. I don't know for how long or what that'll look like. Ultimately, eternal life seems to be centered on the New Jerusalem which is located on the new earth. And it's important to acknowledge that. So as we take a look at Revelation chapter 22, verse 1, we read these words, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. We have seen the visible splendor of the new Jerusalem. We have seen that the glory and the light in the new Jerusalem is God and the Lord Jesus Christ themselves. There is no need for sun or moon. We have witnessed that God himself will dwell with us, and we will be his people, and he will be our God. He will wipe away every tear from our eye. No more sorrow, no more death, no more pain. We've witnessed all of these things. There will be no evil in the New Jerusalem, no abomination, nothing that defiles will be able to enter in, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And now we're told in chapter 22, verse 1, as we continue to look at the new Jerusalem, that there is a pure river of the water of life, and it is clear as crystal. God loves life. God hates death. Death is an enemy of God. Death is our enemy. Death is the result of sin. It's a consequence of sin. It's a judgment of sin. And what we're told here is God is going to allow to flow throughout the city from the throne a pure river of water that is a water of life. It's a life-giving water, and it's not polluted. 
It's not tainted. Just like the streets are pure gold, transparent gold, this river is clear as crystal, and it proceeds from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In other words, the source of life is God and the Lamb. They provide life to all the inhabitants of the city. In verse 2, we're told, In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So the street that runs through the New Jerusalem has on each side of it and on each side of the river the tree of life. Now the language of this passage indicates that there's one tree and yet more than one tree. I think when we talk about the tree of life, we're talking about the kind of tree. But in order for a tree to be on either side of the river, there has to be more than one tree, but not more than one kind of tree. It is the tree of life. And we could almost take from this that there are 12 trees that are the tree of life. And each one of the 12 trees bears a different fruit, a different fruit each month. That would go along with the idea that there are 12 apostles and 12 tribes, that number of completion, the number of fulfillment. Whether that's the case or not, I don't know. What I do know is this. God provides life to all the inhabitants of the New Jerusalem. He does so through the water of life and now through the tree of life. And this tree of life is magnificent. We will recall it from the Garden of Eden. The tree bears 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are used for healing the nations, not necessarily the governments or each individual nation as we see it. The word nations typically means all of the various ethnic groups. It's another way of saying the Gentiles. All of this is a wonderful reminder that in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned and they were cast out of the garden, They were cast out from the presence of the tree of life so that they would not take of the tree of life and live forever. Now, through the victory of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, and his victory over Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, now we see all of the redeemed restored to access to the tree of life and the river of life. God gives new life, eternal life, to those who trust in Christ. In verse 3, John tells us, and there shall be no more curse. The curse is the curse associated with the sin of the garden, the curse that results in death and pain and sorrow and loss and separation from fellowship and relationship with God. There shall be no more curse. It's wiped out. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, the new Jerusalem, and his servants shall serve him. When our self-serving sinful nature has been eradicated, when we perfectly come into eternal life, we will gladly and joyously serve our God with gratitude, with the purest sense of honor and reverence. We will serve him with all of our heart and be thrilled to do so. This may just be one of the greatest indicators of the level of change and transformation that takes place in eternity. Look at verse 4. They, his servants, shall see his face. We are unable to see the face of the Lord today. We see by faith. 
but then we will see face to face. No one has ever seen God and lived, no man, no woman, no child, and yet in eternity we will see him. That's the level of intimacy and fellowship that we will have with our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And his name shall be on their foreheads. We will be sealed to him. We are eternally identified with him, and we bear his mark on our foreheads. In verse 5, there shall be no night there. Again, we are told that darkness, that night will not be there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun. Uh, There won't be any light switches in heaven. (laughs) There won't be any flashlights in heaven. There won't be any need for artificial light because the most glorious and pure light of all, the light that comes from the Lord God, will be our light in eternity. Can you even comprehend such a thing? The light of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, is so spectacular, so bright and all-encompassing that it is emphasized over and over again. And the absence of darkness or the need of any artificial light, whether it's sun, moon, stars, lamps, God wants us to know that his glory shines throughout the New Jerusalem and for his servants. And then we're told at the end of verse 5, and they shall reign forever and ever. Based on what we know of the New Testament, this is talking about the servants of God. We will reign with Christ forever and forever. Now, we don't know who we're reigning over. We don't know what that reign looks like. But we will be God's servants reigning forever and ever. There is so much here to think about, to meditate on, to sort through. It is wondrous, spectacular. What other adjectives can I use to describe such a phenomenon, such a place, such an experience? I don't know. There aren't words that adequately describe this for us. And yet, this is our inheritance. This is our promise from God, our blessed hope. Father, thank you for this look, for this revelation. Thank you for the encouragement, the joy, the peace, the anticipation that it brings to us. I'm so grateful that you are a God who desires to be known and to make your will known to your people. We ask, Father, that we would be strengthened by our faith, by the fellowship with other believers, through the study of your word, to press on. Guide and direct us as we seek to do so. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.